It's the Sweet Sixteen! Hey everybody, Kaylin Chenoweth again, and you're joining us for episode 16! The Sweet Sixteen. I wonder if you guys had a good Sweet Sixteen birthday party. I'm trying to remember mine. I know that was when everybody was getting cars and vehicles. I didn't actually get one. I just got permission to drive my parents. (laughs) I drove my dad's Ford 150 pickup truck. It was a 1996 pickup truck. Yeah, it was pretty styling. (laughs) Big gas guzzler. Anyways, I want to welcome everybody back. Thanks for joining us. This weekend was really crazy and busy for me, and therefore the podcast is a day late, and I apologize for that. I was sitting at the dinner table last night, talking with my husband, telling him I needed to record, edit, and post the podcast, but my eyes just kept closing because I was so tired. (laughs) I hope everybody understands that sometimes life gets crazy busy, and no matter how much planning I do, sometimes I just can't get it all done. So thank you very much for understanding. I wanted to start off by sharing that my husband was right. Dangerous words to admit, I know. For years, we have washed dishes by hand. One, because it is saving water in the planet, and two, because we were renters and didn't actually have access to a dishwasher. We bought our first home last November, almost a year ago, and we have continued washing dishes by hand in order to save water and our water bill. But my husband did an experiment and used the dishwasher every night for an entire month. And guess what? Our water bill went down. (laughs) I was shocked that he was right on that. So it turns out our energy efficient dishwasher that came with the house is more efficient than us washing by hand, which is a total win. This means less time spent washing dishes and less water used. And as far as we can tell, the electric bill has not been affected. It's a little bit hard to tell just because there have been changes in weather affecting the AC and the heat, but for the most part, I don't think it's really been affected. Also, I forgot to mention, I made homemade yogurt a couple weeks ago. I have never, ever done this before. I had milk that was going to go bad before we could drink it. So I made yogurt in the crock pot. It actually turned out really well. And When you make it, it's a plain flavor, so you have to add in honey or fruit to sweeten it up. But after eating that for a week and then switching back to the store-bought, I realized how overly sweet the store-bought was. I definitely think I'm going to keep up the homemade yogurt in the future. It is a long process. Like, it actually takes overnight. It's a 12-hour-plus process. But it was pretty, pretty good, pretty tasty. This past weekend, during my super busy, crazy weekend, I made chicken stock. Also have never, ever done that before in my life. We got a free rotisserie chicken. I know, it came in a plastic package, and it was meat, but it was also free, and we were hungry, and life was crazy, so it was a nice, simple, hot dinner that was well-deserved. Anyway, after eating the meat off of it, I saved the carcass, and made homemade stock using the crock pot. Again, this was an all-day process, but the house did smell really good. And I got to use my 
leftover jars and Tupperware and things that I saved from different food products and was able to put an additional use to them. Last night, I made beef stroganoff from scratch. Again, I've been in quite the little Susie homemaker cooking mood lately, but I made the beef stroganoff from scratch. I was very proud of myself because I grew up and I only ever got the hamburger helper version of beef stroganoff. The ground beef was reduced for quick sale, so instead of letting it go to food waste, I purchased it knowing that we would eat it that night. And I also had to make, I'm going to butcher this and I'm so sorry, Worcestershire sauce from scratch. I don't know if it's Worcestershire, 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 but you know what I'm talking about. I made that from scratch. I did this in order to reduce more waste from the packaging and mostly because my husband couldn't find it at the grocery store and it was an ingredient that I needed for the meal that I was making. But either way, again, another homemade item that tasted really great. Feeling pretty proud of myself with my my enhanced cooking skills and my reusing of leftover items. Very proud of myself. With all of this home cooking, it has become very apparent that I need more jars and a bigger fridge. I actually ran out of jars for the chicken stock and had to use plastic peanut butter tubs. We had two jars of peanut butter that were half eaten, so I had to marry the jars of peanut butter. For those of you not ever from food service, to marry something is when you have two items, like two bottles of ketchup that are half empty, so you marry them, you put, you combine them into one. That way you can have the other bottle. So I did that with the peanut butter. That way I could utilize the extra jar to finish putting in the chicken stock. I'm also running low on fridge space. So I don't know how, I don't really have a solution for that one because our fridge is new. We bought it with the house. Our fridge is only a year old. We had to go get one. I have decided that I desperately need an Instapot because all these crockpot items, although they are delicious, they take all day. And from all the recipes I could find online, they only take minutes with an Instapot. Don't worry, I'm going to hold out for a used one. So I will continue my hunt for a used Instapot, but that is definitely on my list of items to get and add to my kitchen repertoire. Okay, now I would like to transition to our sustainable topic for the day, which is, haha, <laughs> which, <laughs> Halloween. Going green for Halloween, a sustainable Halloween. When you think of Halloween, there are definitely a few key things to keep in mind. Pretty much decorations, costumes, and candy. Yep, that pretty much covers Halloween. Those are the great big events. For this Halloween, I would like for you to challenge yourself not to purchase any new decorations. I would like for you to use what you already have on hand from last year, or purchase some items that are used from Goodwill, garage sales, or even Facebook Marketplace. Also keep in mind, Pinterest has thousands of ideas on how you can make your own items using items that you already have in your house. Also, you can even decorate with pumpkins, squash, and gourds, and then after Halloween, you can cook them and eat them. And with the gourds, you can hollow them out and make birdhouses out of them. So very sustainable, multi-purpose, multi-use decorations costumes. Again, let's not purchase anything brand new. Reuse old costumes or do a costume swap with friends and family. 
or look around for secondhand items. Also, you can even make your own costumes. This is going to take some creativity, and if you lack in the creativity department, check out the internet. <laughs> it will give you tons of very easy do-it-yourself ideas. Candy. This one was difficult. It is very challenging to find candy that is zero waste. You could make candy yourself and pass it out, or even fruit. However, evil people in the past have kind of ruined that for everybody. It's not generally recognized as safe to eat homemade candy or to even bite into an apple because crazy ding-dongs put razor blades in them. So even myself as a parent, I wouldn't let my kids eat homemade candy or fruit from a house. If you don't want to get egged or teepeed on Hallow's Eve, then let's talk about at least reduced waste options. I put it out on my Facebook group and they came forward and really helped me out. The first person that spoke up, she bought 100 reusable straws that came with cleaning brushes. And she plans on passing those out along with instructions on how to use and to clean them. She did admit she's probably going to have to use a little bit of tape. But honestly, that is still really an awesome idea and mad props because that was a financial investment and... It's going to be work to package all those up with to write the instructions and, and attach them and explain it to everybody. But I definitely commend you because that has that's a big undertaking and it's going to have a lot of positive effects going forward. The next person suggested pencils and erasers. The kids definitely going to need them for school. So at least that's a very usable, like a, it's an item that's going to get used for a long time. It's not going to be a piece of candy that gets the wrapper literally is on the candy for less than five seconds. Kids eat, eats it, and now the wrapper is on the floor, in the trash, in the landfill for the next few hundred years. So I do like the pencils and erasers idea because the kids do need it. And they're going to need it for school. The, the Another person suggested candy that comes in boxes. So this one is, it's doable. You know, like Milk Duds or Nerds where they come in the boxes, it's probably still going to come in a giant plastic bag considering you're going to buy it in bulk. But at least that's, remember, we're trying to focus on at least reducing the waste. It's going to be very hard to go zero waste, but if we can reduce it, so at least that one plastic bag and then cardboard candy boxes. I like that idea a lot. That one looks, other ideas for items to pass out would be hair barrettes. Matchbox cars, you can get coins, juice boxes, or cookie cutters. Just try to avoid really cheap plastic toys, because they're not going to last very long. They're going to break, and then they're just going to go in the garbage. And aim for minimal packaging on whatever items you pick out. There is still plenty of time before Halloween gets here, so if you have additional ideas, let me know, and I will gladly share them in the next episode with all of the listeners. I continued to do research and look up different ideas and some other items to help your Halloween stay green include getting reusable buckets, reusable bags like a tote bag or a pillowcase to collect the candy and that's better than just a plastic sack walking around. Purchase locally grown pumpkins because that way you are supporting the local farmer and you're going to reduce the carbon emissions from shipping the pumpkins all over the country. Walk, 
ride bikes, or carpool when it comes to trick-or-treating. We pretty much just walk around our neighborhood, but I know growing up, the, the neighborhood I grew up in had six houses. So we would then go uptown or to the other side of town to get where all of the other houses and all of the good candies were. And I had friends who grew up in the country, six miles out of town. They're not walking or riding their bikes anywhere. It's going to be a very long evening for three whole pieces of candy. But if you can carpool, that's still extremely helpful. When it comes to your after Halloween, your soggy, moldy, sad-looking jack-o'-lanterns that, that are unedible at this point, you can at least be, at least compost them. Be sure to compost them. Also, random public service announcement. This isn't so much going green, but it is helpful because I am a, a foodie person, and I know a lot of you guys are foodie people as well. If you've never heard of the Teal Pumpkin Project, I want to inform you of what that is. The Teal Pumpkin Project, if you are serving non-food items, then you put a teal pumpkin on your porch. And this helps kids and families that have food allergies, like a nut allergy or a gluten allergy, where they have to be really hesitant of going up and collecting candy because of their allergies. And we don't know the severity of the allergies, but if you are serving non-food items, put a teal pumpkin out front of your house, and this signals to them that it's okay to come up to this house and get a food item. They don't have to worry about an allergic reaction, which is a really, really great project. It's relatively new. I don't even know if it's been around 10 years. I've only known about it maybe the last four or five years. So the word is still spreading, and I want to do my part to spread the word as well. So that's the main focus of our podcast today, going green with Halloween. I do want to touch base with the Starting Sustainability Facebook group. I had a listener who posted a video by Adam. I don't know if you've ever heard of Adam Ruins Everything, but he had a video about how, and if I can find it, I'll share the link, but it's in the Facebook group so you can check it out there as well. And this whole video was how going zero carbon and sustainable living is really not worth all of the effort. And he had different points on it. It's a 20-minute video. If you get a chance, you can watch it. But I just kind of wanted to give my rebuttal, or at least my explanation on some of the things that Adam was talking about. He was saying that our big trash problem is mostly because a long time ago, manufacturers like Coke and Pepsi, they had glass and aluminum cans and bottles, and then they switched to plastic, and then we got all of this waste. And they had a really great system where we would have to return all of the glass and aluminum bottles via recycling, so that way they could be washed and sanitized and reused again for packaging. And they did away with that because it was cheaper to go to plastic. Then we had this big waste issue come up, and with excellent marketing, they shifted the blame from them to us, the consumer. And I want to say we are still to blame because we have the ability to recycle these items and it doesn't always happen. So, yes, they are to blame, but you also still have to look at yourself. You can't just say, here's this trash, I'm going to throw it on the ground because it's the big company's problem. You know, like, you got to be responsible for your own actions as well. We have to choose to be a part of the solution and not a part of the pollution. 
as long as we continue to do the little things, we're at least going to slow down the pollution problem. And I'm happy with that. We might not get rid of it altogether, but if we can slow it down and delay it, that's still a step in the right direction. He then goes on to talk about a Tesla versus a hybrid car. And <laughs> he's saying that the same damage is done on getting a brand new car. It doesn't matter what kind of car you get. If you get a brand new car, the same damage is done to the environment, which is true. I do agree with that. But if you are, the point is don't get a brand new car. You can still get a used car. And the car that you currently have, keep it. Keep it as long as possible. Because once you're done with it and it goes to a junkyard, it's going to sit there for a long, long time. So if you have a car, keep it as long as possible. If you need to get a new car, get a, get a used car. Otherwise, Tesla versus hybrid isn't really too much difference. Mm, I know of a manufacturer that makes engines. And they are putting in really darn good effort to be as energy efficient and sustainable as possible with their engine building process, the manufacturing process, and the engines themselves and their performance. So I commend them. When it comes to an electric versus a fuel run car, Adam is saying that electrics, if your electric source is coming from a power plant that burns coal, then it's just as many carbons. And same as the minerals that are getting mined to build the battery are also really bad. Well, if it's a big if, did you catch that? It's a big if. So many power companies are going with wind and solar, water, clean energy sources. Check out your energy company. See where your energy source is coming from. But I think that's still going to be another step in the right direction. Is it a perfect option? No. But it is definitely a better than option. And better than is what we as consumers can demand. And the more we keep demanding better than options, the more companies and competition companies are going to keep upping their game. Tesla came out with the first electric car, but now Ford is getting one. Nissan has one. They're coming. They're in the pipeline. This is all steps in the right direction. It might not be completely zero carbon, but it's definitely reduced and, and a much better effort. Then Adam goes on to say, instead of driving, you should walk places. But he says, oh, walking increases your carbon footprint because you're going to burn more energy. And if, there's that big word again, if you are fueling your energy source via a hamburger, because meat is really bad, because meat increases the carbon emissions, the methane greenhouse gas, a lot of water usage. So if you're fueling your walk via a hamburger, then you're still having a high carbon footprint. Okay, let's be real. You're eating lunch no matter what, whether you're driving or walking. That hamburger is getting eaten. So then now you the damage is done by eating the hamburger. Now you can either walk or drive. In that case, now walking would make more sense because it would be less carbon. <laughs> I didn't like that. I thought that was a really bit of a stretch. Another option is to go vegan. If you go vegan and you're not eating the meat, that's obviously going to have an effect, a significant effect. And you don't even have to go vegan all the time. You can just skip meat every once in a while. 
like meatless Mondays or being a flexitarian. These are all options that you can do. And then, of course, Adam again stretches it and he says, oh, but if you go vegan, now that asparagus that you got had to be flown in here or driven across the country via train so the carbon emissions is high. Okay, well, the answer there is to eat local. Eat local and it won't be such an issue. And another example that he had was bananas. Oh, the bananas are awful because the employees of the banana factory are drinking coffee and the transporters who are driving the trucks have uniforms that have zippers on them. And the zippers are getting mined and it's precious metals. Oh my freaking goodness. Okay, I have a pair of jeans with a zipper on it. I have a jacket with a zipper on it. Uniform or not, a lot of clothing comes with zippers on it. And employees or stay at home, no matter what job you have, most people are drinking coffee in the morning. I'm just saying it's not fair to count the sustainability of the coffee for people who are <laughs> working at the banana factory because you have to count it for every person that has a job. In the end, focus on eating locally and eating in season. Those are the two best ways that you can support the local economy and also help regulate and reduce the amount of carbon emissions and have a more sustainable focus on your efforts. He definitely gives a very strong doomsday vibe. As in, no matter what we do, it's not going to be enough, and we're all going to die. And I don't really like that. He does come at, at the very end, around 17 minutes, where he's like, okay, it's not going to be so bad. But his point is that not one person is going to make a huge difference. And, and that's what I've been saying. One person doing it perfectly will not make a big difference. We need all of us to put in a darn good effort and do what we can. We don't all have to do it perfectly, but if we can all of us, millions of us, put in a darn good effort, we will have an effect. It was really awesome that at the end, Adam did mention the 2015 Paris Agreement, where a lot of nations came together and they pledged to reduce emissions every five years and set a goal for themselves. And by that, when I say they mean to reduce emissions, like they're talking about corporations and manufacturers and big companies coming together and implementing laws and all of this stuff to help get that under control. In the end, we can always make it better. We can change the direction that the earth is going in. It's going to take time. It's not going to happen right away, but we can delay it. We can slow it down. And eventually we can change it as long as we, the consumer, continue to fight and demand for what we want and what we need for this earth. Sustainability is quite a hot topic now. I knew about this stuff a long time ago growing up, but it has really become, with the power of social media and the power of all the people, it's become a hot topic. And now we are starting to see a lot of changes like the paper or the plastic straw ban, the plastic bags ban. These things, that's the states, like states are doing this. Since the federal government won't, the states are doing it. Other countries around the world, they have a really good sustainable game going on. We in the U.S., we need to up our game. We're slowly getting there. We're slow to the race, but we're getting there. We, the consumers, continue making these demands. And companies want us to support them and buy their products, so they're going to continue making paper straws paper items, bamboo items, compostable items. They're, they're at least coming. So we just need to keep it up. Okay. Thank you so much for listening in today. I hope that you learned some really great things. 
about this sustainable Halloween, going green this Halloween. And if you get a chance, you can watch The Adam Ruins Everything. If that's not your cup of tea, then that's okay. You pretty much got the rundown and the gist from me. So thank you, everybody, for joining in on the podcast. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. I'm sorry, again, that this one was late. I'm going to do my best to keep this stuff coming, but it is it is hard. Sometimes life throws a lot of curveballs at you, but I will keep trying. Have a wonderful rest of your week. And feel free to check out the Facebook group, Starting Sustainability. You can always private message me or just leave a comment on the Facebook group. If you have any additional feedback, questions, comments, concerns, just let me know. I'm happy to answer them. Have a great day, everybody. Bye.